Welcome to the Beth and Kelly Show, a weekly Facebook Live conversation between Beth Fortune and Kelly Klingen. That's me. And we've made it into a podcast. Beth Fortune currently serves as Education Director at Wintergrass, the National American String Teachers Association Board, and Chair of the National Council for Orchestral Education. I currently serve as Education Director at Jazz Ed the Washington president at Jazz Education Network and Jazz Curriculum Officer for Washington Music Educators Association. We have a platform and we really want to leverage it for positive change. Please hit us up. Let's have a conversation and uh, let's move our practice as music educators forward. It's good to see you on screen again. And we have a really fantastic guest today uh, for episode 43. This is our friend, Lisa Lindy, um, coming to us from very close to Boston. I've never been to Boston, but I, I really love the accent quite a bit. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll try to do my best impersonation ah. today <laughs> yes please do please and um lisa is a hero of mine uh because she well i mean obviously just because she's a great music teacher and we care about a lot of the same things but also because she has done the one thing that i really want to do that i haven't done yet and that is walk across the stage at jazz at lincoln center and give yeah. a dance to a band yeah, I didn't get to do it last year because of COVID, and it really sucks, dude. And but I have it. So, so we're gonna have to do it the same year together. <gasps> oh my god, I would die! How awesome would that be? That'd be amazing. I'd um, like to know about that experience, and maybe just a general intro of yourself uh, to our peeps yeah. here. Yeah. Go ahead. Oh man, I don't even know what to say. I so this is my maybe almost there. I started teaching in 1992. So this may be almost, this is almost my 30th year of teaching. And wow. so, yeah, I've been in Newton, um, my 23rd, I think, or 24th year in Newton. And the year I got accepted to EE, it was my 20th year teaching there. Wow. I have submitted to EE every year right. for 20 years. Yo, Tombien. Wow. <laughs> so don't give up. You know what I'm saying? So, and at that school, I teach symphonic band, wind ensemble, jazz ensemble, lab jazz ensemble, um, improv, jazz improv sections. We've been also trying to run this dream of mine, if we could just get the staffing to run it, is chamber music, you know? Yay! Um, because if we're running jazz improv groups, like, you know, like there's other literature out there too for smaller um, groups. So, yeah, we always, those classes tend to be smaller and when I was starting the jazz program, they kept letting me run small classes to grow them. And then once I had a pretty full schedule, they weren't as flexible. And I said, no, 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 but we could do these chamber things. And, you know, it's six kids one year and then it's like 11 and then it's 15 and then mm -hmm. you, but you've got to give it a few years. So um, I haven't gotten that to happen, unfortunately, but that's on my, my to-do list. <laughs> so, Those administrative things, they always get in the way. That's right. That's right. And we'll see how that goes with COVID. Um, mm. I feel like a lot of us, yeah, we're just like, what's going to happen with music when we're done with this and, you know, taxes aren't really paying for what we need to, and we're making up the deficits that we spent on our 
HVAC, right? Oh my God. Um, and the kids who had fourth grade band, we started in fourth grade here in Massachusetts. The That's band and, you know, they try to do it through Zoom here. So, yes. Um, yeah. So they'll be coming in as sixth graders, which with really never having played in a room with other kids and that's you know that's if they come in kelly Um, you know because teachers are in that phase right now where registrars and counselors are sending us those registration lists and and we're like you know i think i think across the board i think all of us are bracing a little bit for kids that aren't going to cross over into middle or high school because they couldn't whatever was happening in the lower level was not enough to retain their interest enough to get them to sign up and then you know unfortunately we're probably going to be losing kids who are already registered you know students in our programs and I mean I know it's that time of year and it's always it's always a crappy time right it's always that moment when you're like, okay, time to be a salesperson. <laughs> yeah. But then, you know, you look and you're like, oh God, I just hate that moment in time when I like look at the list and blankety blank isn't on there. Yeah. I wonder right now too, um, with the different populations of students and families that I've had that have experienced this in a different way you know, different comfort zones, different family situations, just the idea as someone who teaches wind instruments that like, I wonder if I'm going to lose some families because they just now don't think Mm -hmm. kind of safe thing in general. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's, that's a thing too. I probably should have added that to the conversation, but (laughs) yeah. Yeah. Well, I mean, there are there are maybe some things we can do. I, I feel out of the loop uh, these days because I'm not working in the public schools anymore, but it seems like um, uh, the, you know, the community building and the, um, the uh, emotional healing that can happen in a music class would be really vital for schools t- to grab a hold of. And that, um, and I would think that administrators would be helping music teachers come up with really creative ways to just have maybe some electives for not like kids who haven't started an instrument yet that aren't necessarily ensembles or like, let's just try and get as many kids into our programs as we can. And maybe that means we have to do some stuff we haven't done before. Right. I mean, I hope. No, I agree. And, you know, it's also kind of the, the concept of, you know, teach who comes through the door mm-hmm. and, you know, it could be that, and this kind of dovetails a little bit into some of the other topics we wanted to talk about today, but could be that, you know, the definition of what is a level changes a bit as we move into this next iteration of education. Um, maybe, you know, a grade level two is now high school level <laughs> for a while. Maybe. Yeah. Maybe and really what's wrong with that anyway. Right. And maybe we aren't 
able to, at this point, put together a Brahms symphony or even, you know, unadulterated Ellington charts or, you know, if you will, um, what if, what if the definition changes, you know? I'm for it. You know, I was just thinking today, you know, kind of thinking, oh, I wonder what we'll talk about in this show today. And, you know, I was originally, I play trombone, or at least like, I feel like I used to, I wish I played it more frequently now than I actually do. But I was originally, I played flute and um, I switched in ninth grade. Mm -hmm. I was thinking today, you know, like, I loved music. I always loved music. Flute, just, I took it in fourth grade because my friend did. I remember a trombone quartet playing mm. the instrument demos, but I wanted to be with my friend. Mm -hmm. And then, you know, it was just never my thing. It was the people in the section and everybody sitting up so straight and <laughs> note runs. And and I, I was thinking as a band director today, like, I wonder, seeing what I've done with my life, why mm -hmm. didn't I practice those 16th note runs on the flute the first half of my freshman year? You know, and, and thinking like, what does that mean to the kid that like we make that like such an issue that we take away their enjoyment of music because music yep. more than than virtuosity right um do you have to be virtuosic on your instrument to experience a deep level and connection through music um so i, know, I was thinking about that today and i like kind of to what beth is saying it's this yep. idea that you know what, um, we can still find great music and, and do great things. Yeah, and this year, um, and in our neck of the woods, we've come back hybrid. So kids are coming back in cohorts and I get to see each cohort once a week. So that means that the kids get to play with that group of kids once a week. And I have just, placed value on simply the act of playing music together because I think everything else doesn't matter. None of it matters except for letting those kids make music together again. And I don't care about, like right now I'm not harping kids on accuracy. Um, I have pretty much stopped the act of playing tests for this last quarter because I just want to play music with kids and like repairing their isolation, like repairing, they've been alone for so long and repairing that and letting them listen to each other again and feel the joy of making music in that same space together. That is to me what I am doing right now. Well, and, and, you know, you're reminding me, um, we started out in Newton fully remote at the beginning in September. Um, our district had opted to do hybrid, but the high schools didn't have enough staffing to do hybrid. And so two weeks before school started, they said, never mind, high schools are remote. And so like as a music teacher, I'm like, no, you know, and so I went and I said, listen, um, hey, administration, can we do some outdoor rehearsals to bring Anybody that wants to come on campus can. I'll run a Zoom kind of thing from the side here. Mm -hmm. um, and I just threw music at them. I just do as yeah. much. I didn't fix anything. And I thought, I have no idea what I'm doing, but I'm imagining we'll eventually get, get too cold 
and we'll be on the Zoom and then I can talk to them about specifics maybe as individuals. But right now it was just like lots of music, hear each other play mm -hmm. together. Um, and that's what I mean. And it worked, I guess, like I almost want to say, I guess maybe that was not a bad plan because the, we submitted this piece to essentially Ellington that I had thrown out to them in some of those like 15 or 20 tunes that we started in September with my jazz band. And then, you know, we kind of put it away at one point, we pulled it back out to record and mm -hmm. they, got, they got somewhere, right? <laughs> you know, right. so yeah, I think that is, that is just experience the emotions, right? Connect to each other. We, um, we, well, Jazz Ed was thinking about doing a, a submission and then the rules were changed that um, basically didn't allow for us I, I saw that. to submit. So I had been rehearsing kids in preparation um, and then we were like womp womp. So um, they were still, you know, owed some contact hours. And so um, I just surveyed the kids like, you know, who do you want to work with? We'll do some clinics or something. And so um, the the 40 kids, their top choice was Ingrid Jensen. So Ingrid wow. Jensen came and did a clinic over Zoom yeah. with, with my two Ellington ensembles um, this last Sunday. And <clears throat> I had already turned to plan to turn my camera off because I wanted it to really feel like it was for the kids. Um, but I was glad to have my camera off because I seriously was right here in this spot sobbing for oh. two hours, just, you know, like, <laughs> because, and I, for a lot of reasons, um, one, just like, I miss the kids, obviously. Um, but it was, I mean, how many thousands of clinics have we been a part of with our students, right? Just like, I can't, just so many. This was hands down, not even, there was no comparison, the best clinic I have ever attended. It would be like numbers one through 100. Like it beat out that wow. others. Like it's so ridiculously better. And I was just sitting there like, why is this better? Trying to figure out what was better. First of all, one, there was no name dropping. There was no like, who are you listening to to try and sound like, there was none of that. Two, there was no like, you don't know that album, that kind of shaming, none of that. It was, it went like this. Hey, I'm Ingrid, I play the trumpet. She played a little bit tell me about yourselves and went around and asked each of the kids like where they went to school and what, and then she asked, what song are you checking out right now? What like a really nice way wow. to pull, call kids in. And she didn't care what genre and, and this idea, and this is how we spent two hours, this idea of acting with curiosity. This is a song that you're checking out how, how many versions of that song can you check out? What are the parts that you like best? What can you add of yourself to that? And the whole theme was like, the best part is playing music with other people. That's the best part, but it requires you to be yourself. And this idea of trying to sound like anyone else is like preposterous. 
And it was so uh, like uh, really hilarious to me. And I asked her this at the end because we had about 15 minutes and the kids didn't have any burning questions. And I was like, so Ingrid, this is like hilarious because this group of kids here make a recording to sound as close to Ellington as possible to try and get into a competition. And these are two concepts that we have spent the last two hours not doing. It's clearly not in your value system. It's not really in mine either. <laughs> you know, like how did we get to this place, right? How did we get here? And she was like, you know, I think if Ellington knew that this festival was happening, he would be really upset. He would want to hear new music, you, you know, new music that was being composed. And I used to hang with guys who played in that band. And I think they'd be upset that someone else was playing Snooki's part or someone else, you know what I mean? Like that was not the concept. So while the idea of learning these songs, these melodies, this interpretation is very important the idea of not of duplication um, plus competition was like, anyway, there was no real summary. We were just all of us sitting there like, whoa, <laughs> we just all had the best two hours <sighs> of the year. And all of the kids were like, this is the best clinic ever. So everyone was so inspired. This group of kids, who that is not normally in their value system, were so inspired. I just am still left. How did we get here and where do we go next? Well, because here's the thing too, the, the re Ellington wrote for individuals. Exactly. And mm -hmm. when that individual left, he wrote in a different way. And so right. we're trying, that's a great concept, isn't it? Uh, yes, of course it is. Beautiful. But if we, you're right. Okay, I'm going to be thinking about this for the rest of the year now that you say that. Because like, <laughs> if we're teaching Ellington's music, then we've got to say, well, it's yes, you need to know what this player sounded like, and it was this part. But if the goal is to be you, then how do we take it to that level? And isn't it necessary that we do, or or whatever? Yeah, it's a, it's a really big double-edged sword, yeah. right? And there is a whole ton of, and this is not just at Ellington and it's not just in jazz, it's in classical, it's in, it's in a lot of genres even. I would say even bluegrass, okay? Um, but there's a whole ton of gatekeeping going on with, um, well, you have to be yourself, but you also have to be able to like create what was originally there. And where do we find, I don't know. I mean, because presumably our students come to us not being experts in whatever style or, or composer's work or genre or whatever. And so how do we, how do we, lift up them being themselves while um while teaching them these specific ways of playing a certain style or a certain composer's work or a certain genre or era or whatever 
And should we be teaching this genre or era or whatever, or should we be always going off book? Or, I mean, there's, there's all kinds of extremes here. Right. But students lose their voice. They don't, they don't have their own voice represented. Well, Ingrid's way of talking was, it, it lifted us all up so much because this idea of you're learning a song. You, you, this is the song that you're learning. These are yeah. the changes. These are, um, you know, here's the melody. Uh, there are, there's, it, there are infinite holes to spiral down. Yeah. Using the song as the starting place. And these are references, right? Like this reference material of this version is maybe the most famous or this reference. And sure, you can learn that reference, but it, it, the reason you're learning it is for curiosity. What, what was it about that interpretation that made it so popular on the top 40 chart? Or what, what, what was it, what is it about that version that makes me love it so much? And then when we act with curiosity that we can find those things and learn those references, but that like allows us to pull it into ourselves by learning not just the the reference but like right well you're reminding me so my master's degree is in wind ensemble conducting mm -hmm. right? so i i studied with frank batisti at new england conservatory and his thing always was don't you ever listen to a recording first you study the score because the composer is the most important mm -hmm. and you need to create your own interpretation if you want to be a creator you don't want to just and he kept calling you know new england conservatory like a, a factory of apprentices who went in and practiced Mahler excerpts the same and it's the same thing right it's the same thing we're talking about um but to be a creator i mean he was obsessed with being a creator and i i loved that about him but it's it's that same idea of how do you develop your own voice when you're always recreating someone else's version. Right, and it's like, it becomes this double-edged sword because I would venture to say Ingrid probably went to music college. Yeah, yeah, and played with all the cats. But right. she's like, you know, uh, with, um, she was like really into Clark Terry but like learning from Clark Terry. And, and he's like, when she started playing like herself, that's when he wanted to hear her play because he didn't want to hear himself coming out of her horn. But like, how right. does a person do that? <laughs> and I think that's what well, we you know. And, and then like, so there's like, there's the problem of you're going to have to go to college and you're going to have to, do this and that and how do we how do we continue extracting our own voice even through that very very rigorous process mm -hmm. but then there's also this this climate type of problem where your kids had this extremely uplifting and i'm hoping life-changing conversation with ingrid jensen yeah it was dope but 
given an opportunity to re-audition for essentially Ellington, it seems like kids are like, we have to. And they're- I feel like, like I have to. Right. And but I don't know why, why I don't want to. Why do we feel like to. a slave to this? Why do we feel like a slave to this? I'm, I am the resident orchestra teacher here. And yeah. I am just saying, why do we feel like a slave to this? <laughs> well, and the one thing I would say that Kelly, if people kept telling me essentially Ellington is life changing and I'm like, of course it is. Like mm -hmm. it's such a coveted competition, right. like obviously, but they were trying to tell me something else. Mm. And like, I cried so much that year I was there. I was always just trying to not cry. Oh man. Like, every time like those the kids would get on stage the next group would come up and you heard symphony and riffs a million times but like yeah you get to the place where the altos come in and you hear mm -hmm. these high school people right right are just like loving the tune and i kept mm -hmm. getting choked up right but I, I also was choked up because i think the vibe that i found there from most everybody was um the i I thought it was this thing that I was living secretly on my own, which is like mm. I would get choked up in my band room on a Monday night rehearsal, you know, for five or mm -hmm. 10 years before this, because I would think, look at these like young people who are loving this music from 1942. Mm -hmm. Nobody right. listens to this. This is not like the coolest thing in the world. And they love it. And mm -hmm. they love me. And they like hearing me talk about it. I'm like, I cannot right. believe, and I always would look at my students and say, the world's going to be okay if this it's gonna be okay. is happening. And so I got to essentially Ellington and like, it wasn't just me that felt that way. It was right. the other group of people. And so I think, you know, for the kids and to see the students cheer for each other. Right. Yes. Yeah. They Like it was... Um, Julius Tolentino, who it was the first standing ovation of the day mm -hmm. where, and it was the second tune. It wasn't even his closing number. <laughs> the whole place erupted and I'm looking oh. around like, wow. And I just, again, I think I probably started crying because I'm like, like finally a place where loving music and connection and everything we had to do to bring this piece to life Mm -hmm. it, everybody there was celebrating it so while like mm -hmm. there's all these other things that we have to make sure we keep looking at um that to me like that's i would love for more of my students to experience that um, i yeah so i have studied this festival for many years i've i've been very very lucky to have had a seat in that auditorium many years in a row and as like um, the as yeah, well, a kelly you've been there actually now that i'm saying this like you went as a student right no it didn't problem. exist it didn't exist when i was a student okay so my brother and, but i i have to say like there's a lot a lot a lot a lot of things that are are absolutely amazing and stunning and the way festivals should be run at EE. And on the one hand. <laughs> on the one hand, and you know, in, in various other entities where I've been asked my opinion on, you know, festivals and, you know, if they want my feedback, I'm gonna say there are entities out there that 
when students come to this festival, here is what they get. Mm -hmm. And when you take what's offered at EE and you like do a side-by-side comparison to your run-of-the-mill heritage festival or like, <laughs> your, your run-of-the-mill like whatever music in the parks or whatever um oh my god it's the gold standard it's the gold standard I mean right down to the the sit the students getting a chance to go sit in the appell room and have dinner with members of the band you know um members of the jazz at lincoln center orchestra um jam session with you know whomever from the band um all of the clinics all of the sectionals all of the concerts all of the like one-on-one like one-on-one like mentorship that happens with the members of the band and it's just like it's not there is nothing that compares to it there's absolutely nothing that compares to it and if more entities could create and align their events to the same extremely high standards that ee has laid out um Lisa, our students would then have these opportunities more often. All of our students would have these opportunities, not just an elite jazz band. And I just wish people would listen because I (laughs) have tried so hard to get people to understand what is going on at this festival. Right. Well, and even the idea for me, like, I was nervous to go there because, and like, I think this is probably a topic we wanted to touch on kind of moving, you know, forward on it right now is this idea that like, you know, in my career as a woman being a band director of a jazz ensemble, like there were just so many times that, you know, I take my band to the local festival and, you know, I get an adjudicator who starts to explain to me how to use the plunger mutes because my kids weren't doing it right. I'm like, I play the trombone. I've played it. I know what they're doing wrong. And I've told them 150 times, please don't look at me. You know, but there was just so many times that there was the assumption that I'm doing it because I don't know what I'm, well, the kids are doing it wrong because I didn't teach it. Right. I feel like for my male counterparts, well, obviously the male band director knows it. So, you know, I think I had some trepidation that year going, uh, my band that year also got accepted into the Mingus Festival that year. So I'm thinking, what just happened? Right. Pressure and not a lot of women have been at any of these festivals mm-hmm. as a director. So I just felt like, okay, I had looked up, I think I was the second woman to take my band to the Mingus. And then I didn't want to know essentially Ellington. I just couldn't handle the pressure. So you were either the first or the second. And I found it later, I was the second. But yeah. The one who was first was she did it when it was regional and then maybe the first year it went national national and she's actually from rhode island so i've been trying to like i can't find her name right now and that I, was still an accurate number until last year when yeah. penelope and i became three and four but yes. i don't think it wow. counts because we never were on the stage which i think is the critical thing so that's why we all have to do it together again and yeah it was just this i I'm trying to losing track of what I was saying, which is like kind of the the pressure of being a woman, I think is what I was going to say. And just yeah. again, EE, like I felt very comfortable there. Um, 
no one spoke to me well you're the woman and you really don't know what you're doing and I don't have and I've never had in my high school program these like you know brawny like lead trumpet players who I have like kids lovely yeah. players who you know what I was joking with the kids say because they're like why don't we have trumpets like that in our school I'm like I've never had anybody like that I said <laughs> you know I don't know if we're just more like refined like you know in a smaller way like you know it's lovely <laughs> but it's not like that power so I it was a small band it didn't have a big sound um and I picked the right music that could flatter that instrumentation but mm -hmm. to go up against you know um John Curry who was there that year who I went to undergrad with and he's got like boom just this huge right. great brass section I'm like okay you know, so I think all of those thoughts, I thought, well, it would be easy to kind of point a finger that maybe I'm not teaching the brass players correctly. Who knows? But I, I never, I walked through that entire weekend, never felt that. Um, and had a lot of people who have been there many, many times, just so excited to see a woman as a band director. Yes. They, they, they just couldn't believe it. And so more crying. Um, and I have two sons who were there for the weekend and my husband just kept saying like this is so good for them to see and oh so great like what that means because when you're like you know when you work and you're a mom and you're leaving your kids at home and you're like Ugh, you know or going you know for festivals on the weekend and being gone a lot he kept trying to tell me like no you're representing what a woman can be to these kids and i'm like yeah i know <laughs> <laughs> some days it just doesn't feel like it's but he's he was right he was right I would love to pick apart something you just said a little bit because I have been spinning on it for years. And that is this idea that there might be some aesthetic preferences that are gendered. And I am someone, I am very like nature versus nurture. Uh, 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 I, I like to think about that a lot. I fall on the side of people are really influenced by what's around them. <laughs> uh, and I also reject the idea, like as a human, that women like pink, twirly, soft things. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm a tomboy. That That is like not a true statement, right? But at the same time, I think that what you just said about not having like this specific type of brass section sound, I wonder, here's what I wonder about constantly. Is it possible that there are actually gendered like sound preferences and that when you're applying to a blind audition festival like Ellington is, what would happen if all four judges were women? Mm. Would their aesthetic preference affect what groups got in? And I would like to advocate the following. For folks who say it doesn't matter, then why not have four women judge the festival because it will not affect things. For people who do think it matters, either you opt to keep all men or the most they've ever had is one woman. So one fourth, 25% women. 
you got to at least move it to 50 50 right but yeah. i would just love to see what bands got in if there were four women as the like blind auditioners and i wonder if there would be more women band directors whose groups got in i don't really want it to be true but i kind of want to do the experiment to find out i think this is i think you've put out a call <laughs> I mean, okay, this is, you know, this next coming year, they could totally craft that. Right? They nice. could craft that panel. Camille's in the band. Right. Uh, they used Erica Von Cleese last year, so they can use her again. Yep. Fantastic. Yeah. There's three. Um, and Roxy, I think, has scored before yep. Judge yep. Okay, So there's your yep. four. There's four. Done. All right, so we have. I mean, people. I mean, okay. I mean, like, let's let's have the screeners be all women, all women, and yeah. then let's get an all-star panel of all women judges at the event. Wouldn't that be a great education for all of the jazz dudes? <laughs> at the Wouldn't that be a grand gesture on the part of Jazz at Lincoln Center? We notice we have a problem. We'd like to do better. Here's an attempt. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, and that doesn't like then, you know, affect like, I mean, Jazz at Lincoln Center could go ahead and say, okay, we're gonna pick this all girls band and put put them into the composite competition, but that eliminates the blind characteristics right, 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 of right. the audition process. And this is a grand gesture that you could do that doesn't affect the blind audition at all. And it doesn't make it so that you're making like unfair decisions. Yeah. And maybe it's a way to do it. And I wonder, Kelly, as you're saying this too, and I think this is a great idea, except like, are we going to see more women band directors get in? How many are there? Where are they? Because right. Good question. <laughs> you know, I also that. Even as I've heard, like Kelly, you talked about like, and I've watched this, you know, this show a bunch of times, just like your friendship with Beth. And I think of my friend Leanne, who we met in our first couple years of teaching. We are still friends. I finally just got to see her two weeks ago. And it was, mm -hmm. just, you know, and we talk like this all the time. Um, okay, there's, she teaches a jazz band. So two in Massachusetts, like, <laughs> right. you know, but they're, there aren't a lot of us um there aren't a lot well it's it's a huge problem in mm -hmm. all parts of everything i would just i posted on facebook like maybe three years ago when um the all-girl band didn't get in again and they were really great that year um and i know that our scores were pretty far up there and then that that region thing wasn't in effect that there might have been a chance. Um, and I just posted, you know, we'll keep on trying. Hope hopefully there'll be gender parity on the stage this year, but I know there won't be, you know, and there won't be in the directors, there won't be in the kids, there won't be in the judges, and there won't be in the band that's working with the kids, you know, and the adjudicators. And that makes me so sad. 
And then our, uh, our all of our mutual friend, um, Ron Carter, um, saxophone educational Ron Carter, um, <laughs> wrote something like, you know, the, the um, it's, a, it's a blind judging panel. And I was like, yeah, dude, I, I know. They're all men. Like, is it, is that, I would love to see what would happen if that wasn't the case, you know? And maybe nothing will happen. Maybe I'm totally wrong. Then what's the harm in it? Why not try it? It gives it gives more women in jazz more work and opportunity to exercise their voice. It's important for women to be in these clinician and judge positions as well. Yeah. Right. Um, it's it's important for us as women to have these experiences and be heading things up and um, in this like leadership role where we're choosing things yeah and it's good for uh the students to experience that as well absolutely in, in my little area here there was a group of band directors that were getting together um every january kind of going over their kind of ee -E rep and it was i feel like ee -E was somehow the name of their symposium and I just never been invited. They're all my friends. I, like, I love people. I just never been, it wasn't until, and they had been maybe made EE once 10 years ago, and maybe even that band director retired in the new one, but the, the same people kept going. I was never invited until after I made. Ah. I know that I feel like I was somewhere, they were talking about, even, even an article I just read the other day about women seem to be expected to come to the table fully formed like you can yep. until you're invited in whereas men they're more like well he's young but like we'll give him a chance you know he's got potential he's got a lot of potential he's young and he did good on the first project where the woman's like well you know that woman did good on the first project but she's very young let's wait and see how it goes and it's it's not this is all the implicit biases people have right it's not something that they're thinking of and and so how thankful i am like i was you know invited into the fold finally had a great time um also i can say another thing as we talk about this um early on in teaching i two mentors of mine um were getting together they were calling it the summit they would just get together and like look at new literature and talk about share literature with each other and it, one of them is my high school band director. And um, he said, you know, well, I'm getting together with Fred. Why don't, why don't you give Fred a call and just see if you can come too? And I was like, oh, okay. And <laughs> I went home like, you don't invite yourself to something. Like, is, is this a woman thing? I don't know. But I'm like, I'm not going to call Fred and invite myself to something these two are doing and I, I think about this years later and I like now that I think a little bit more about gender and I'm like that might be a woman rule thing that like I hmm. wouldn't invite myself to two friend women friends who are getting together I wouldn't be like can I please come to the thing that you've done for the past three years in the summer just you two I would never say that but men they think in a different way they have maybe different boundaries and I'm like you know look at that single little moment there that was like a, an opportunity of years to be with these mentor like people who were helping each other and learning from each other and i missed out on all of that knowledge just because mm -hmm. i felt like maybe i shouldn't ask and so like what are the yeah. rules even like whether it's society or like i feel like i impose that maybe on myself we do we do but, but kelly and i are like big huge advocates of 
um, just making the ask. Um, we're big yeah, huge advocates of the worst <laughs> that can happen is they can say no. And, and you know, that's the worst that can happen. Feels really crappy, but crappy. you know, normally they, I mean, they'll say yes, but still, why does it feel weird? And that sucks. <laughs> and it makes me think like, you know what? We need to start having these gatherings. We need to start having these gatherings. We need to start creating and having these gatherings. Yeah. And create a welcoming space. A supportive space. Well, we can do that. We're kind of trying to do that with the that's, B&K like show. Yeah. Tonight, that's what we're doing tonight. Right yeah. Now. Right, right, yeah, and we, Kelly and I have been so lucky because we've had so many awesome folks join us, and, um, but yeah, I mean, we could, we could, like, take this as phase two, you know, the, the in-person arm, but. But having those, um, those gatherings where you can sit and just hash through ideas and repertoire and um, concepts mm -hmm. is absolutely invaluable but i need to be able to do it with like without all of the friggin sexism man like i cannot right. i cannot tolerate any more like snobbery I just can't. It's it's sexism and gatekeeping. It. Sexism and gatekeeping. Yeah. I can't tolerate. And, and you're not invited until you've already like your kids have gotten into Ellington. It wasn't even on their radar to even think to invite you that you would be interested. Yeah. Dude, we all know that story too. No one cared what I had to say about anything until my kids got into a big festival. It's like, right. dude, I've been doing this job for 20 years. I'm not really doing it better than I did then. Maybe a little <laughs> bit, but the, you know, if it's the product you care about, the product hasn't changed, right? I don't know how that, that, that stamp of approval, what does that matter? I hate that it matters and it matters to me personally. I don't think I'll feel like fully formed until I can wear that dress on that stage with my band of all girls. And that might mean that I die trying. <laughs> and I hate well, I'm it. I'm joining you in that because I'm trying to start up a group kind of similar to what you're doing over there. It's really balance out the sides of the country here but be yeah. awesome and it's that same idea of like you know yeah let's because the first time so i did the ee thing the first time i looked around and i really was like okay i gotta wonder like i thought i was this trailblazer back in the 80s on the trombone and the only girl in the district jazz band or the all say jazz band whatever it was um and you know 30 years later i look around and the trail that I supposedly blazed must have grown over because yeah. there's no girls, like there aren't girls everywhere. So like what happened? And so I just felt like, you know, this is kind of, I, I understand this. I live it. This is that moment, like where I am in this place to say these things or do these things mm -hmm. um, and figure out what to do. And so I, got we've had a couple events but i got some girls together that first time when you've got like 20 
30 girls in a room, you know, playing tunes and we start just having a jam session and the drummer and the bass player look at each other and just smile. And again, like it's, I'm like gonna start crying, you know, just looking at that, like that's a different vibe, you it's know? Um, and that's okay. It's like that, It it's a it's another voice, you know, and, and kind of getting all of those voices in there, all of the people who want to experience this. Um, and girls who hold back so, so much because there's a know-it-all boy that's gonna slip on in and sit down on the drum saddle or a yes there's boy. a good chance that know-it-all boy is her band director <laughs> i'm just gonna say it right and they just hold back they they hold back and um i would venture to say although i have not directed the girl band kelly but i would venture to say that it takes a little while to have even the girls feel comfortable playing with each other. Um, you probably have to build some, build some community before. There were um, some things that I assumed would happen uh, because I had never been in an all female space before. Yeah. I'm a tomboy. I avoided any all girl parties. I was not in a sorority. I don't know when else all girl things happen, mm -hmm. but I didn't do them. <laughs> sports teams but right. that was like you know playing basketball with a bunch of other tomboys it's not the same yeah. type of girly space so i was anticipating that there would be like a lot of giggling mm -hmm. sort of gossip time i i i assumed that there would be a lot of lost rehearsal time and it i was so wrong um so wrong i want to get down to business oh my god there and and actually and i i could not understand why and it has always been the case and i think we've done it for like eight years now or something like that but it's always been the case and then one of my um students who you met beth john v who is on yes. our show she and one of the rehearsals commented on how there is no wasted time. Like there is a lot of conversation. Like there's a lot of jolly community, but it's not wasted time. And that she's been noticing in her jazz band at school that all of the wasted time is actually the dudes. <laughs> and and uh, she was like, we just, we come, I come to Girls Ellington and we get like 10 hours of rehearsal time done in two. Right. All about the business. And it was, it's fascinating. It is fascinating. Super fascinating. Not what I expected. I've heard that same thing. I have no girls in my jazz band right now, by the way. So mm -hmm. that was my other message that like, okay, I guess like I've been teaching jazz this whole time and then I can prepare a band well enough to make it to this festival. And again, that trailblazing, like there's no girls here. So like, if they're not just signing up to be with me, like this is a much more pervasive issue. You know what, here's, here, oh, go ahead, go ahead. Well, I was just gonna say we have, there's a kind of community band that works together and the director, um, it's high school kids for the most part, um, you know, tries to recruit from the bands in the area and puts a little jazz band together. Um, he's told me time and time again, he's like, whenever I can get girls in the band they show up on time for the gigs 
they're prepared. Yep. They don't like he just felt like he could rely on them in a way. Um, you know, kind of similar, Kelly, to what you're saying. Mm -hmm. You know what, you guys? Okay, so we've got this is this is a way to revolutionize everyone's band. I think okay, I'm ready. Um, so here's my idea. Okay, you put out the call about the judge panel and the screening panel, right? Okay, I'm pretty so, sure I'd already did about okay. 20 minutes ago. So, <laughs> and just to the the general public, Kelly and I are not. We do not have any say in this or or anything but we're just coming up with ideas here but what <laughs> if what if because they've got rules right they've got yeah. rules and stipulations for who can be so uh, no more than no more than 27 people in the band it can't be a community group apparently um it can't be this and it can't be that so what if they said to begin, to begin, mm -hmm. a third of the band needs to be female. Yes. <laughs> and then, and then, the um, you know the audition requirements would be, you have to submit your percentage of female players in the band, otherwise you're not going to get screened. And then, you know, there might be five bands that year. Yeah. And, so and then we just start building from there and band directors start recruiting the heck out of girl players and start building bands. Whoop. <laughs> what I have to say to that. Uh, and I love it. Actually, we're doing it. I, I don't know. I mean, there's like 10 pages of rules. Why not add one more? Right. right. Why not right. add one more? Uh, it seems totally reasonable to me. Um, and uh, I think this is a perfect way to loop in my secret agenda for today. Oh, well, so I already did uh, drop my secret agenda, which was the judging panel. That was yeah. it. But um. Uh, I really think everyone needs to be familiar with the Terry Lynn Carrington blog post that came out last month. And I just grabbed one quote from it because it's what we're talking about. And I'm going to read it right now. And she says, I doubt we will have gender parity until enough people are open to a different sound without the same com comparative stance a sound they've possibly not heard yet. The sound of jazz without patriarchy. Oh, whoa. And um, if we're trying to duplicate the sounds of jazz with patriarchy, then perhaps um, that's a part of the problem. And I am vowing at this time that even if it doesn't, even if it means I have no chance of getting into EE, which I probably don't anyway, if they keep this new community group rule. Right. But assuming I could submit a band, I vow that my bands will not try and sound exactly like Ellington. That's it. Okay. We're going to sound like ourselves. Because this whole trying to sound like Ellington thing isn't really working out for the girls and me. It's just not. 
that's what I have to say I about that. that. I absolutely, yep. <laughs> I gotta get some girls so that they can sound, look at this though, this is, um, this is oh, cool. Carrington. So yep. she, I forget what she was doing, but her story goes like she was invited to play somewhere important. She thought we'll do, you know, a jazz dance. And she went through the real book and she couldn't find one. So there's one at Willow Wheat for me, evidently, the only one. And so she said, this is a problem. So this is free. You can get it on uh, the website. I just went to the Berkeley Institute of Jazz and Gender Justice website. And nice. so this is a book of standards and it's um, Toshiko Akiyoshi, Jerry Allen, Terry Lynn Carrington, Chris Davis, T. Fuller, like all these, it's just all women wrote the tunes and there's right now there's like 10 or 12. Um, Mary Lou Williams is in there. So just look at another way to kind of represent kind of the female voice, right? And, and until all of our male colleagues are doing this, we're not going to quite get there, you know? Absolutely. But until some huge entity entity like Jazz at Lincoln Center and the EE organization makes a sweeping grand gesture of we're gonna, we will only accept bands that have this percentage of female players um, or, you know, other, other large entities like that. No one's gonna rise to those rules until the rules are laid down by the people who are in power. Mm. I'm with it. Um, and with that, as a person with very little power, <laughs> I thank you ladies for your Woo! time. So You're nice to have your Lisa. time for free <clears throat> changing the face of music education from the goodness of your hearts. We should all of us be A million thanks to our listeners, followers, and subscribers. The support we receive monetarily and otherwise helps us to be able to spend time creating a quality product and it allows us to tap into partnerships and resources to which we wouldn't normally have access. We are stoked about the journey of learning we have ahead of us and we are delighted you've decided to join.